recording, but then you're not in it. There you are. Okay. Okay. I don't know how well this is going to work. I don't either. Cass is frozen. Cass is making a... Oh, wait, Tori is unavailable. Okay, that's fine. What's the face? What's that face? He's frozen. I logged out and logged back in because I couldn't get back on the screen. So, anyways, we're good. Okay. I don't know how I sound. You sound fine. I also don't know how this is going to sound because I have a German Shepherd that likes to pace and two cats that like to scream. That's Wait. okay. My true crime story is good. Okay. What's it about? It is, I'm glad you asked, it is about the Good Samaritan of Catawissa. Catawissa? Why does that sound familiar? It is in Missouri. Oh, but I feel like I just listened to a podcast or something about you it. Have. All right, I'm cracking open the big boys. Ooh. We're not sponsored by Liquid Death in any manner. I would but not. if you would like to sponsor us, Liquid Death, it's what is it? Murder your thirst. That's appropriate for a true crime podcast. <laughs> yes, and I am talking about a true crime story today. Bertha Gifford was one of 10 children born in Grubville, Missouri in October of 1872 to parents William and Matilda. She married Henry Graham at age 23 in December of 1894 and had a daughter together named Leela. Leela? I'm pretty sure it's Leela though. While married to Henry, she and Henry ran a boarding house known today as the Morse Mill Hotel. Bertha was also said to be, quote, one of the most beautiful women in Jefferson County. I have an aunt, Bertha, actually. She had big, like, a beehive haircut. Like, my entire, like, memory of her is, like, her hair. How did you live with her, Tori? I don't get it. She didn't live with Bertha. No, she lived with you. My poor mother had to live with Bertha, though. All right, well, anyways. Back to Bertha. Bertha. Okay. <laughs> Bertha was said to be, quote, one of the most beautiful women in Jefferson County and was said to have dark hair with a dark complexion. Henry and Bertha's marriage soon became plagued with infidelity, though. What? So he was cheating on beautiful Bertha? Well, Bertha was started a relationship with a man 10 years younger named Eugene Gifford. Go, Bertha! And it is said that. Henry also started a relationship with another woman, but we're not sure who started cheating first. Well, if you can't beat them, join them. Henry, though, became ill with pneumonia or stomach cramps, depending on which source. Mm, that's sus. That's correct. And he eventually succumbed to his illness. I couldn't find a date. Um, real quick, side note. I listened to, and that's why we drink on this episode, and um, I read The Haunted Atlas. Christine covered this case and um, The Haunted Atlas, they talked about this. But anyways, in 1907, Bertha and Eugene Gifford were married and had a child named James and moved together to Catawissa and they raised James and Leela. Now, Eugene was a successful farmer, and Bertha fed the hired hands, and she was quickly known and respected as a county nurse. Sorry, country nurse. (laughs) (laughs) 
Did she have a good bedside manner, I wonder? She was reportedly kind and passionate, actually. <laughs> she was known for her cooking and as well as her white dress and her satchel that she carried when going to take care of her sick neighbors. Hmm. What was it full of? She also attended nearly every funeral in town in the span of 18 years. Hmm. That's sus, too. That's a lot of funerals. Like, this is... Yeah. Bertha was so dedicated to her patients, she even eagerly jumped out of her bed during the middle of the night or in, you know, various weather, thunderstorms, snowstorms, whatever, to get in her horse and buggy to go help her ailing neighbors. The only time I get out of my bed, so <laughs> what, what was the word you used? Ailing neighbors? No, <laughs> no, no, wait, no, when she got, eagerly. eagerly, the only time I've ever eagerly got out and out of bed in the middle of the night was when I had diarrhea. <laughs> get some diarrhea. Oh, I'm glad we're getting our laughing in now because this gets like, please leave this This in. gets fucking serious. Oh, uh, well. Please yeah. leave gonorrhea or diarrhea. I'm not, I'm not gonorrhea. I have <laughs> never had gonorrhea. <laughs> Oftentimes her patients were children, but. Um, they did range anywhere from 15 months to 72 years old. So she killed babies? No, her patients. Okay. But she didn't kill anybody yet. Oh, she hasn't killed anybody yet, but she possibly right. could have killed 15-month-old babies. Her patients ranged from 15 months to 72 Okay, years that's old. all you're letting on to that's right now. That's all I'm letting on okay. to right now. Bad, Bertha. This, Bad. This, this, this is a true crime story. Okay, stop smiling and laughing then. Well, Keep going. yeah, stop. When you... <laughs> okay. Anyway. Well, I'm here for the comedy relief. Okay, go. Sometimes Bertha even arrived before the county doctor. And because of this, Bertha eventually got the nickname the Good Samaritan of Catalissa. I think I might have watched an episode of this on um, evil women or deadly, deadly women. women. Yeah. Evil woman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bertha was not a trained nurse. She was very appreciated and a very competent volunteer, though. She knew her symptoms. She knew her drugs. She could even administer medicines to her patients. She was known to take charge of the household when she would arrive and impress family members with her knowledge of arsenic. No. Oh. She's a good Samaritan of Cat Okay. This sounds really familiar. Have you ever watched the television show back in like the 40s? It was a, tel- it was a movie called Arsenic and Old Lace. But go ahead. Go ahead. She's what? a good Samaritan. She is a good Samaritan. She would care tirelessly for her family me- or for the family members, loved ones. And never asked for payment because she was a good Samaritan. Oh, bless her heart. She would even send them up to bed, reassuring them that everything would be fine and not to worry. She would make promises of recovery, often turning to mothers to say, Now, dear, I want you to go to bed and get a good night's rest so so that you can take my place tomorrow. Don't worry. I am here. Never fear. The Good Samaritan is here. This is in the 1900s. And uh, if you've ever played telephone, sometimes the words get crossed, you know, 
We used to do that in Girl Scouts, remember? We used to have to have you guys tell. Yeah. Well, what I'm trying to get at is this probably was not verbatim, but. It was the, written down in the history books as such. Yes, the quote was found in multiple sources. No, no, my dear. Because Bertha was so trusted, mothers and loved ones often felt relieved and they would obey Bertha, go to bed, and then Bertha was with the patient all night. Well, Bertha's kind of scary. I would obey her too. If a patient of Bertha's passed away, Bertha said was said to weep harder than any of the patient's loved ones. For sure. Mm-hmm. She's a drama queen. Only when Bertha took on patients, they never seemed to make it throughout the night. That's, Seriously? Yeah, that's how that's how uh, Christine worded it. None. None. She had a zero percent recovery rate. The the Good Samaritan. Did she have her own um, nursing home? No, okay, never mind. Well, hold on. There was a lot of women in the 18 and 1900s who were... She had a hotel thing. Murderous. She would take people in. I'm going to have to Google this. I just listened to um, a podcast called Heart Start Pounding or something like that. And they just talked about this murderous woman who had her own um, nursing home. I don't know. Continue. I think that was on Deadly Women, too. Bertha's patients all ended up dying. Even patients who were considered on the men took a turn for the worse under Bertha's careful watch. Before morning could come and a proper doctor could be called, Bertha would wake loved ones to inform them that the patient was too far gone and had already passed or had already passed. Would she do like ring a bell or something or like run through the house screaming or how would she wake them up? Um, You know that? movie you know the nightmare before christmas yeah oh yes bring it bring out your dead no bring out your dead oh but that's so that that's so monty python only 364 days until halloween yes yeah i love that nightmare before christmas okay the loved ones knew none the better and just assumed Bertha had their loved one's best interests at heart. So was her crying over her guilt, or was it all an act? I vote act. I vote act as well. Yeah. In 19, and you'll see why I think it's an act too, but I'm excited to see you guys' like reactions to this, because I it's an act. Her, it's an act. In 1925, when two brothers, seven-year-old Lloyd Chamel and six-year-old Elmer, died within six weeks of each other, word got around fast, and soon there were women gossiping. What did they die of? Did they die of, like, the same thing, or did you not find out? They were both under, they were both under Bertha's care. Right, but, like, mine had a cold or something, like, what, they didn't say, like, what they had? Well, hold on. Not only were the women suspicious, but also Dr. W.H. Hemmerker, or Hemmerker, depending on what source it was that I found, the spelling was different. 
He was called to help both of the boys, but they were already beyond help when he arrived. He suggested an autopsy after Elmer died, but the boy's father decided against it. I'm sure, like, autopsies were very, very expensive back in those days. It wasn't, like, back in, like, now, like, if you died at home and automatically you get an autopsy, but that was probably something that more higher class people would have. Women were highly suspicious of Bertha and thought it too strange of a coincidence when patient after patient continued to pass away, stating, wherever Bertha, quote, flunks herself down in a sick room, the patient never gets well. Men scoffed and laughed, writing it off as women being women, because we know nothing. Well, you know, we're crazy. Still, the woman noticed and continued putting two and two together. Because women are dumb, guys. Women are not dumb. Women are not dumb. Some even going as far to write anonymous letters to Franklin County, Missouri, urging. Did you didn't say Franklin County? County. (laughs) Anonymous letters to Franklin County urging prosecuting attorney Frank Jenny to start an investigation. Oh, isn't that Frank? Oh, I I didn't notice that when I wrote this. However, no investigation pursued, and all the while, Bertha managed to continue in her nursing career. Hmm, what a career she had. It wasn't until May of 1927 that 49-year-old Ed Brindley would stumble to Bertha's home on a Sunday under the influence of alcohol. Bertha invited him in to take care of him, and by 9 o'clock Monday evening, Ed Brindley was so sick that Dr. Hemker, Hem, Hem, Hemker or Hemker was called in, but he was too late. It would take Ed Brindley, her 17th patient, to pass away for the men to take notice of the gossiping women's concerns and started to take these claims seriously. So it wasn't until a man died they really worried about it. When the children were dying, it didn't really matter. Well... It took them 17 people. They weren't very smart, these men of Franklin County, Missouri. Us women caught one like that. Tell you. It took a man to notice that, hey, this is kind of suspicious. Maybe we should start listening to these women. Maybe. Hmm. We might know a thing or two. Maybe they're not just hysterical and on their periods. Maybe they're not just hysterical. Right. Ed Brinley's untimely and suspicious death led to the investigation of Bertha Gifford. Mm, mm. Now I'm getting into this. Bertha wrote off all these deaths and defended herself was by saying her patients come to acute gastritis, claiming somehow eating a heavy dinner at noon and going to work on a full stomach led to their demise. Cass, can you Google what gastritis is? Hold up. Spell it for me. G-A-S-T-R-I-T-I-S. Gastritis. Inflammation of the lining of your stomach. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know the weird thing? It worked every time. Oh. Hmm. 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 Things that make you go, hmm. Hmm. Death certificates were often issued without question. 
go sleep. <laughs> After Ed Brindley's death, the state of the state health commissioner, Dr. James Stewart, started digging deeper and gathered records of drugstores in the surrounding areas and neighboring towns. Upon examining these records, he noticed Bertha purchased a steady amount of arsenic rat poisoning. I knew it! I knew it! Usually making her purchases prior to her patient's death. Ironically, arsenic rat poison produces similar symptoms of... Diarrhea and vomiting? No, gastritis. Gastritis. Well, I mean, you would have... What are the symptoms of gastritis? Symptoms of gastritis are loss of appetite, pain in upper abdomen, just under the ribs, nausea, and indigestion, hiccups, mm. vomiting, blood and vomit, blood bowel mm. movements, and weight loss. In November of 1927, prosecutor Frank Jenny ordered a grand jury to look into Ed Brindley's suspicious death. Bertha was arrested in Eureka, Missouri, and was brought before a grand jury. Eureka! She fought tooth and nail to prove her innocence and even threatened slander suits against anyone who testified against her so that the jury failed to indict her. So is she still married to whatever his name was? Eugene? Yeah. Yes. So she hasn't killed him? No. And she didn't kill her, her children? No. Not yet. That'd be no. too old. He doesn't, I don't believe. Oh, okay. Well, they were lucky. Soon thereafter, Bertha and Jean, Eugene, decided to move to a neighboring St. Louis County. But her former neighbors were not satisfied and kept the pressure on prosecutor Frank Jenny. And he summoned yet another grand jury in August of 1928. After the jury heard the testimony of Bertha's steady purchase of arsenic close to the death of at least one of her patients, she was indicted on first-degree murder for the poisoning deaths of Elmer Shamel and Ed Brinley. Got him! Later, a charge for murdering Lloyd Shamel. Those were the brothers. Elmer. Wait, and Elmer. Elmer and Lloyd Shamel. That was were the, the two little boys. Those were the two little boys. He was also added to um, Lloyd. He was also added to the indictment. So she's got three now. He's got three of the seventeen of. At least 17. During the investigation, Bertha was implicated in at least 17 deaths, leading all the way back to the death of her first husband. <gasps> Knew it! Henry Grant. Oh, the one who was cheating on her, or she was cheating on him? The one that was plagued with infidelity, yes. Her what? first husband was considered to be her first victim. And her mother-in-law in her second in 1913. Well, I can understand that totally. <laughs> a year later, her brother-in-law, James Gifford, only 13 years old, succumbed to similar symptoms while in Bertha's arms. Aww. Now it's messed up. So she killed her husband, Henry. She killed her mother-in-law. And then she killed the brother-in-law, who was just a little boy. Yes. Aww. May she rot in hell. Okay. Get on task. One father testified that Bertha nursed three of his children with a sm with small ailments, and he felt nothing but gratitude for her at the time. But he nursed, she nursed three of his children, but they ended up dead. 
Well, you don't know that just yet. No, because you said all of her patients died. Well, I yeah, but... Yeah, but... Irene was seven. Margaret was two. And Bernard was only 15 months. There's the 15-month-old. That bitch. They all horrifyingly took a turn for the worse and ended up with acute gastritis. Um, it resulted in their deaths. George Chamel, Lloyd and Elmer's father, worked at the Gifford place and testified against Bertha, stating, I worked off and on for the Giffords. This is, this is, like, in court documents. This is testimony. So this is, this is verbatim. I worked on and off for the Giffords for about 18 years. I went to the Gifford place once in 1925 on a Saturday night. On the very next day, the Sabbath, my boy Lloyd, nine years old, had stomach cramps. Two days later, he died after being sick at his stomach all the time. The doctor said it was acute gastritis, but didn't know what caused it. There was no postmortem. Five weeks later, my other boy, Elmer, he was seven years old. He got sick with stomach cramps. He lived two days, too. They said it was the same gastritis. There was no postmortem. I always trusted the Giffords and thought it was just my luck when the boys died. She might be trying to uh, test her power as far as she could And it's really sad, too, that he thought it was just his luck. Like, it's just my luck that, you know, my boys. That is sad. Other victims include 53-year-old James Ogle, who worked for the Giffords and complained about his owed wages. Ah, mm-hmm. This, wasn't, this was not the boy's dad. This was a different man. Bertha paid the money that was owed just in time for his funeral. Hmm. Interesting. 53-year-old Sherman Pounds, which was her husband's uncle. Sherman Pound's three-year-old granddaughter, Beulah Pound. Seven-year-old Mary Brindley. 37-year-old Leona Slocum. And 72-year-old Grandma Birdie Unterstall. My Aunt Bertha, she went by the name Birdie. Just inserting that here. It is possible that there could be more deaths. The world never know. During the trial, Bertha was more concerned with trying to avoid being photographed. Well, she was beautiful. Why wouldn't she want photographed? Well, she was beautiful, Bertha. People accusing her of murder. How dare they? She would throw a blanket over her head if she hurt anybody and refuse to eat anything except ice cream. Oh, me too. (laughs) Me too, Bertha. But, you know, you're supposed to feel all this remorse, and she would cry and cry and cry and cry. She was just a good Samaritan. How dare you? But then she's like, nobody look at me, and I refuse to eat. If I can't eat, I use cream. Two of her three victims were found to have high traces of arsenic in their system. Hmm. Bertha was found not guilty. What? How? She was found not guilty of the crime charged against her on the sole grounds that she was insane at the time of the commission. No, she's a woman and they didn't want to put a woman to death. Of the offense. And we further 
this is what the jury said. We further find that said defendant has not recovered from such insanity. To put her in the mental ward forever? She was committed to Missouri State Hospital number four. And while there, she worked at a beauty shop where she was transferred to the kitchen. Oh, God. As a cook. No. Because we have history of arsenic. In people's foods. And we're going to put them in the kitchen. Because they're smart men. Can't live with them and you can't kill them. I wrote, why? Especially considering her history. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Bertha remained at the state hospital until her death in 1951. I'm laughing because I just read my last, my last sentence. She is in an unmarked grave. How appropriate. In Church of God, Faith of Abraham Cemetery. Ready for this? This is how the tables turn and karma is real. Karma's a bitch. Karma. Karma's a cat. I was going to say, what's pulling on my back because he loves me? <laughs> I was going to say, what's my goddamn afro back? I was going to say, what does Taylor Swift say? Karma is a cat and it's going to come back and get you. Yeah. Anyways, in the Undertaker's records list, her burial balance is marked as unpaid. Oh, goodbye, what? Bertha. You said it was unpaid? It means unpaid. nobody not... paid for her burial. Yep. So her husband didn't pay for her burial. Her children didn't pay for her burial. Well, remember that one, her, the one guy, James Ogle, he worked for her. Yes. And he wasn't getting paid, wasn't getting paid. And then he was paid. And his, well, his wages were paid in time to pay for his funeral. She didn't pay him. She killed him and then handed him, handed the family the money and paid for his burial. Bless her heart. Hmm, but nobody, nobody would help the good Samaritan of Catawissa. I hope every morning when she wakes up in hell or wherever she's at, her ice cream's fucking melted. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Tori. I hope she gets mint chocolate ice cream every day. That's, that's gross. That's not, the Okay. Well, okay. Well, think of something with... What's the worst ice cream? I don't like mint chocolate ice cream. I don't either. Strawberry. Yeah. That's disgusting. That is disgusting. Sorry to anybody who likes mint chocolate chip ice cream. Sorry, Cass. And anybody who likes strawberry ice cream. That's gross. And I hope she gets a bowl of melted ice cream every day. With hair on it. Mm. All right. What's your favorite kind of ice cream, Tori? Cookies and cream. But, hold on, sorry. Ben & Jerry's makes the best. <laughs> I don't even have a follow-up to that. It's, I like this ice cream. That is it. There Which is a cream, yes. But Ben & Jerry's has really good flavor. Like, they have really good... Because um, she's bougie. I am. Ben & Jerry's has really, really good almond or, like, dairy-free. And there's this one, and it's, like, cho- it's it's cookies and cream, and it's got peanut butter swirls in oh, it oh my god it is it is so, so good no longer cookies and cream that's like cookies cream and supreme i don't know it is it is supreme all right what's Beth? your favorite ice cream me yeah um well chocolate marshmallow or um cookie dough 
cookie dough is good. Oh, cookie dough. You know what else is good? What? White Great. House cherry. White. It has to be White House. It can't be any other kind but White House. Grape nut. Grape nut. Oh, grape nut is good, but it's not a favorite. But like it has to be from the Meadows. Only the Meadows, which is a local ice cream establishment near us. That was a good episode. Thanks. Oh, yeah, it was good. That was a really good episode. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. I hope our listeners enjoyed it. You can follow us on our social media, Let's Get Paranoid. If you have any suggestions or want to say hi, you can email us at letsgetparanoidpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, follow, and share us with your friends. And tune in every Monday for Missing Person Monday. Until next time, let's get paranoid. Bye. Bye. That was corny as shit. I loved it.